to Pod for the Cause, the official podcast of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and the Leadership Conference Education Fund, where we expand the conversation on critical civil and human rights issues of our day. I'm your host, Ashley Allison, coming to you from Washington, D.C. And like we start off every show, we got the Pod Squad, where we discuss pop culture and social justice topics while bringing our issues to the forefront. Today, I have two special guests, graduating seniors from high school, remember those days, Woo. Autumn Chapman, high school senior at North Mecklenburg in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Faith Chrysler, who is a high school senior at the Berry School in Silver Spring, Maryland. COVID-19 is having impacts on people all over the world and in this country, and so today we wanted to talk about what impact COVID-19 is having on high school seniors. Think about your high school years, your prom, your graduation, saying goodbye to your friends as you were ready to go on to the next chapter. Well, these two young ladies, as well as all high school seniors, I'm not going to tell you when I graduated from high school, but they're not getting that this year. And so we wanted to have a conversation about what's on their mind, what are they thinking about, and how they're feeling. So Faith, Autumn, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm like hyper nervous, right? Because I think I'm still cool and young. And I feel like in this conversation, I'm totally going to be exposed as being an old auntie. <laughs> so first, you all are graduating high school seniors. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. But we do know that some things are going to be different this year. Let's start with prom. I remember my junior and senior prom, the dresses I wore, the guys I went with. What are you all feeling because you're not going to actually have an in-person prom this year? We're a really small school, so prom isn't that big of a deal. But at the same time, I wanted a story to tell my kids like, oh, your mom's senior prom. And now I don't even think we're going to have like a virtual one. So it's kind of sad, but my heart isn't broken. <laughs> what about you, Adam? I wasn't one of those kids that are like overly excited in terms of, oh, my God, I'm going to go to prom. This was more of like my mom's thing. He's like, you have to go to prom. You have to tell your kids one day. And I was like, all right, fine. He's gone through a ton of stuff, and we thought it would be fine. He got my dress, thankfully, on the first try, which we never thought we were going to do. But now that we're not going to be here to do it because of COVID-19, sadly, it's kind of sad. But also, at the same time, I know that friends of mine are starting to do things on like Instagram, like I know in a couple of days, classmates of mine are trying to do like a virtual talent show thing, but I don't know any plans in terms of having like a Zoom virtual prom. It might come in the future, but as of right now, it's really disappointing since all of us are looking forward to this and we're trying to get all these last minute things in before we're done with the year. Before you become adult and then it's all downhill after that. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's actually talk about graduation. What are your schools doing this year for graduation? Like, are you just getting a diploma? Are they doing a Zoom graduation? So the graduation ceremony, we're not even sure like what they're going to do in terms of like diplomas and stuff. Since I know that my school is divided up from like, okay, here's the standard kids, here are the honors kids, here's the AP kids, and here's the IV kids. And we don't know in terms of like how we're going to get our diploma, not to mention how are we going to give back our books that we had to use for the year. But as in terms of a graduation ceremony, we honestly don't know anything except that we possibly won't even have one. Faith, what about you? Do they have plans for your graduation yet? What are you thinking? So like I said before, my school is really small. So there's only 
11 seniors. So like best case scenario, what they're hoping for is that the Maryland governor will okay by the time graduation rolls around gatherings of like 50. And so they're thinking we'll have it like a social distancing kind of thing. So the chairs for your family will be clustered by family and they'll be like six feet apart from the other families and we'll sit further apart on the stage and it'll be outside. And then worst case scenario, completely virtual on Zoom and they'll mail us our diplomas. And then kind of in the middle of that, they're thinking like a drive-through kind of thing. Uh-huh. We like drive up with our families. We step out, take pictures. We like park the cars and like stand outside. So it's kind of a compromise between the both, but I'm really hoping for the outside one because that sounds pretty nice. Well, let's just say this. This definitely will be a memorable graduating year. <laughs> you will, you'll have stories for days, even if they're just about being sitting at home. No one will ever forget this graduating class. Actually, Faith, you mentioned something about the governor and I'm curious if you feel like sharing your age. Are you all turning 18 before the November election? Yes, I will be 18 in May. What about you, Otto? Crazy. I also turned 18 in May. So you all are turning 18. And so 2020, this is the most important election of many of our lifetimes. And I'm not going to ask you who you want to vote for, who you don't want to vote for. But I am going to ask you, one, do you plan on registering? And if you are going to vote, which I am going to make sure you are, if you're going to be on pod for the cause, you have to be a voter. What are you looking for in candidates that can really speak to you? You know, you're the generation that everyone is saying will make or break this election. So are you going to plan to register? And if so, what are you looking for in your candidates? Autumn, what do you think? Oh, definitely. As soon as I get out of here, that's the first thing. Mom's just like, come on, we're going to register. I'm just like, yeah. (laughs) In terms of a candidate for 2020, I'm very open-minded in terms of like what a candidate wants to do, as I think it's more important that we're open-minded towards different ideas and also new solutions. But in terms of actual things I stand for, I hope that the candidate that I pick will actually focus to do more things that they say that they're going to do and not just like make it up as like, oh, I'm just going to say this so I can get more votes. What about you, Faith? So I don't know if this is just a Maryland thing, but I'm already registered. You can register when you're 16. Yes, pre-registration. It's one of the things, the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights support, getting students registered early. I'm looking for in a candidate Climate change is a really important issue to me. I want somebody who is going to take it seriously because we're running out of time. And affordable health care is really important to me. I just want everybody to have the access that they deserve. Separate from political standpoints, I want a good person, I guess. Somebody who is respectful to their opponents and will try to get something done in Congress and not be so stubborn and bullheaded that nothing happens because I'm really ready for some changes. And so I guess that's what I'm looking for. All right. You heard it from future voters. You don't need to go out and look any further. They're telling you what they want. So this goes from people who are running from president to Senate to Congress, all the way down to local county positions, as we say sometimes the dog catcher. They want people who will actually do stuff. So before we move on to some lighter topics, real quick, we're having a conversation on this show about the show Dear White People later, the creator and one of the actors. And it's all about college campuses. I have my alma mater on Ohio State, proud Buckeye. (laughs) What are you all doing after graduation? Are you headed off to college, taking some time off? Do you know what is the next chapter for you, Faith? Yes, I am going to my mom's alma mater. I'm going to University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. I'm so excited. 
and I'm going to be double majoring in psychology and social work on the pre-law track. Awesome. And what about you, Autumn? After high school, I'm planning to go to a four-year university. I'm not going to say anything in terms of my school, but I'm planning to study in computer engineering and do other stuff like study abroad and join a bunch of clubs and organizations. So you're both headed off to college, which is a big deal. And what are you feeling? Are you excited? Have some fear, some anxiety? Autumn, how are you feeling about starting college in the fall? I'm really excited. I'm tired of high school. I just want to be done with it. But in terms of college, I'm excited to like meet new people, do new things. And, you know, just getting to meet new people, go into like a new environment, going from high school into a transition into another big chapter in my life. What about you, Faith? It's really weird. I'm almost not nervous at all. I think the excitement is like covering up my fears. One thing I am really scared about, though, is coming from such a small school. I know everybody in my school and going to a massive state school is really, really scary. And I feel like I'm going to be overwhelmed. I think I can handle it. I know I can handle it, but I'm still a little nervous about what it's going to feel like and to not have grown up with these people, I guess. I remember years ago, my freshman year, I went to Ohio State, which is the second largest school in the country. And I remember the same feeling, Faith, thinking, oh my goodness, this place is so big. And by my junior year being like, oh, this place is so small. I got to get out of here. And after I moved to New York City, the biggest city ever. So I am confident you all will be fine. Okay. This might be showing my age. Do you all know who Babyface and Teddy Riley are? Oh, I know. I know it hurts you. I'm so sorry. I knew it would hurt you. I don't. I don't. Please get on to Babyface, Teddy Riley. I told you I was going to expose my age and think I was cooler than I am. They made some of the greatest music ever. I'm going to leave it there. We'll talk about it with some people who do know who they are. One question I have for you. Are y'all on TikTok? No, but I do watch a lot of TikToks and my friends do. I've never made one, but I watch them. Okay. Do you think people who perhaps might like Babyface and Teddy Riley should get off of TikTok? (laughs) That's a new thing that people are saying. (laughs) That we need to leave it to y'all, let y'all have that, and we need to like stay on Facebook and Instagram. I mean, if it makes y'all happy, I say go for it. (laughs) Just, I would say don't embarrass yourselves trying the trends, I guess, because (laughs) that hurts a little bit to watch. (laughs) (laughs) all right y'all i'm gonna stop there save us the embarrassment of thinking that we're cooler or younger than we are thank you faith thank you autumn for joining the pod squad earlier this year i was able to sit down with the incredible ashley blaine featherson and justin simeon from the netflix series dear white people where we discuss racial harassment and the state of education in our country so don't go anywhere it's going down, fade to Black Street. The homies got at me, collab creations. Bump like agony, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, a dog couldn't catch me. Tell me who could stop with Dre making moves, attracting honeys like a magnet. Giving them orgasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies Black Street and Teddy, the original rough shakers. Welcome back to Pod for the Cause. Earlier this year, I was able to sit down with Ashley Blaine Featherson and Justin Simeon from the Netflix series, Dear White People. Here's our conversation. I'm here in LA, sunny LA, Mm. and I am here with two black geniuses. (laughs) So Justin Simeon is the writer, director, creator of 
the amazing movie Netflix series, Dear White People, and then Ashley Blaine Featherson, my melanin poppin' sister. Yes, mm-hmm. who plays mm-hmm. Joelle on the show, one of my favorite characters, I think yeah. on TV in general. Oh, thanks. Like you bring a, a real good story to the screen. So we really did want to talk about somewhat of a heavy topic that I think you do such a great job in addressing around harassment, sexual assault on campuses. So we're going to go there. But before we jump in too far, I want to know from you, Justin, why dear white people? Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know how much of a choice I had in it, except that it was one of the things when I first moved to Hollywood that was like in my head that could potentially be a first feature. You know, I went to a mostly white college and working in Hollywood or working in mostly white spaces. And I just felt like there wasn't anything in the culture that was about being a black face in a white space, you know, and that was my black experience. Mm -hmm. And I also really had a passion for bringing kinds of black people and characters to the screen that I wasn't seeing in other quote unquote black movies and TV shows at the time who were complicated and a little messy and who you loved and then you can't understand why they did that or that. And so it was just this idea that I developed while I was working uh, in my day job as a publicist for eight years and eventually made a concept trailer for the movie because back in 2013, like there wasn't anything like this. There wasn't a comp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to mm-hmm. compare it to mm-hmm. like it wasn't a slave movie it wasn't black people in tragic pain it wasn't a straightforward broad comedy and the popularity of that trailer helped me to eventually get financing for the movie yeah. and eventually start the series it's so dope now your experience Ashley is a little different you went to a HBCU yes very different <laughs> uh, and so what is it like to be on camera knowing your real life experience and then being this character that is at a predominantly white institution, a PWI. It was fun. You know, I had the opposite of the Winchester experience. You probably like, thank God. You know, (laughs) seriously, going to Howard. But what some people might not know is that part of the reason why I wanted to go to Howard was that I kind of had more of a Winchester experience in high school, middle school, and elementary school. So for me, you know, I went to predominantly white schools. They were mixed, but we were still clearly the minority. And so, you know, my parents were getting me into Jack and Jill and things like that to make sure I had that enrichment outside of school activities or just going to school. And so when I had the opportunity to go to college, I knew I wanted to go to an HBCU. Like I was just like, why I have an opportunity to go to an HBCU for four years, get an education, be surrounded by amazing, beautiful, black, educated, smart, wonderful black people all day, like sign me up. So that's exactly what I did. But there is still an essence of my college experience that I still bring to Joelle. Mm -hmm. Although I went to school with mostly black people and Joelle went to school with mostly white people, the college experience is still something that's really unique. Mm -hmm. And as an actor, I'm really grateful that I still went to college. I studied musical theater, but I am grateful that I didn't just surpass college and just move right out to LA because there's so much that I gained Mm. from my experience and I couldn't have known that I was going to be playing a character that is portraying the black female experience in college. So, you know, it just goes to show everything happens for a reason. So, We work at the Leadership Conference on creating environments for all students, but particularly students of color, black and brown people, to feel safe in the places that they learn from pre-K to K-12 into higher education. A lot of the characters on the show experience harassment in various different ways. And I want to start first by talking about Reggie. 
we see this experience of him interacting with the police and why that story, the way you told it, and some of actually the trauma that he experienced after that. It was really from season one on my mind that we had to address the whole gun issue because, you know, part of the black experience that I know of is like you're constantly aware of the fact that if you step into the wrong space, speak in the wrong code, like you could be shot and killed. It doesn't matter who you are. Mm -hmm. If you have black skin, you're in any part of town, something could happen to you for no reason yeah. other than the color of your skin. That is just a reality of being a black person in America. And so I felt like we had to go there. Yeah. And it was important for me to go there in a way that I hadn't seen in other shows because what we see in Reggie is that the trauma of that moment, even though he does not get shot, right. even though he does not get killed, the trauma of being reduced to an object in an officer's crosshairs mm -hmm. lives in Reggie throughout multiple seasons of the show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that it's important for me as an artist, particularly telling black stories to give space for our trauma, mm -hmm. even if it's like trauma that we don't always want to see or mm -hmm. experience in a TV show. But like, it's important to give space for it because we all are carrying some bit of that, yeah. you know, and if we don't have space for it, if we're not aware of it, if we're not seeing it, we can't really heal it. Yeah. And I think really, you know, the impetus of so much of what we do on the show is like, let's have these characters talk about the thing none of us really wants to talk about yeah. openly in our everyday to day lives. And you bring it up again in season three through yeah. Moses yeah. saying like that happened to me too. So mm. we see it as a cycle. You, Joelle, as a student in the show, experience it as a bystander. And what was that experience like from you? Were there any parallels that you were able to draw from your life? I mean, it kind of comes up the aftermath of the blackface party, all these different forms of kind of harassment that are happening on campus. What was that experience like for you on the show? First of all, shooting it was very intense. Mm -hmm. We're heading into season four. I would say that it still is probably one of the hardest scenes, days for us to shoot. And we're 30 episodes in. Yeah. And that was the fifth episode of the first season. So it just was so surreal, eerie, and just frightening to even experience that in the film medium because mm -hmm. it felt so real and Barry Jenkins directed it so real mm -hmm. and Marquis portrayed it so real and mm -hmm. the man who played the officer like it just was so triggering for everybody it's even kind of triggering honestly talking about it now yeah. because Reggie is a representation of far too many of our black men in society yeah. and Joelle for example is a representation of far too many black women who are so concerned for our black men as soon as they walk out the door right. so you know me being a black woman every time my boyfriend leaves the house I'm praying that he's okay mm. and it's not because he's going out and doing anything that's wrong or illegal activity or has the wrong friends but that's kind of the point those aren't the prerequisites for that's that right. and so I'm so grateful to be on a show where we are exposing and shedding a light, sometimes a grim light, on things that a lot of other shows or a lot of other people or a lot of other podcasts don't want to talk about. Yeah. Because it's tough and it's a part of the American history that until we really get over how we really got here and really talk about how we got here and what the history of the Black person in America is, then it's not going to get any better. And people sometimes think that you're protected because you're on your college campus, but there are no boundaries to racism. And especially on college campuses. Right. I mean, right now, like in 2020, like I feel like I get a story sent to me almost every day about an incident at a college campus 
sometimes involving a shooter, sometimes involving harassment by security or the police. Sometimes it's just a student kind of popping off in the middle of a class Mm -hmm. and going on a tirade. Like these aren't just like grievances or inconveniences. These are things that make black people afraid to show up in these spaces. And if you're a black person and you've got ambition and you are entering spaces that aren't always made with you in mind, this fear of white retaliation for showing how special you are Mm. haunts so much of what we do Mm. that's just a real fear like that's a real thing that goes on in our psychology that's specific to the black experience and oftentimes with guns and black people it's usually played in a show for like dramatic effect like it's usually like a moment of tragedy or like a sadness but i wanted to really get into the weeds of like okay what happens after the event and like what is the everyday reality of it not just like let's be dramatic Mm -hmm. for dramatic sake but like one of the reasons why it happens so early is because it really sets the tone for what the show is going to do from that point forward which is sort of with humor and shade which is my love language (laughs) tackle the black experience but also be honest about some of the realities and the darker aspects of what these kids are going through the way you told it was a beautiful experience for our trauma to be seen as people on film we have to tell these stories or they are erased and one of the things that we work on is there is no data collection right now on college campuses for interaction with officers right like we don't even know how often it's actually happening because they don't have requirements to track it mm-hmm. now you talked about exceptional black people yes. so i'm going to fast forward to season three okay um, Moses. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Now, there's a lot going on in the world right now around black men and white women and sexual assault. So for all my listeners, we want this conversation to be safe and not create additional trauma. And yet... The show was so brave in doing this story. So can I just do a little backdrop or can one of you go for it? So I mean I'm a like stan of the show, so I can like I'm like, what do we do? (laughs) Well, Moses comes from a tech company. He was a former professor there. He comes back. All the black people are like, hey, hey, like go Moses particularly Reggie. Mm -hmm. And Reggie finds comfort, perhaps to a father figure. He's going through this depressive state from this trauma we just discussed. And then there's a white woman. I can't want to call her Buffy, but it's Muffy. (laughs) (laughs) I like have it on my notes B, and then I was like, no, it's Muffy, (laughs) which I love even more. So Muffy claims a sexual assault has happened, and we see it go from him saying it doesn't happen to it happening. What was that experience like for you playing that storyline through mm. as a black woman, knowing the historical context of black men being accused of sexual assault and white women in this country? So you get the script and it's always a little bit different than when you actually sit down at the table read. So I got the script and was like, oh no, like, come on now, Moses. Mm-hmm. But then when we sat down and read it, I don't know if you remember, but it was like an autumn, like it was just silent. I just say that to say that it was difficult. I think as black people, a lot of times, naturally, we can be very protective because we're all we've got. Mm-hmm. We're all we've ever had. But in that, we also have to accept that still as black people, we make mistakes mm-hmm. and we're flawed. And sometimes you're rooting for somebody and then you're not. And it's based on something they've done. So for me, it was complicated because everyone's saying, like, we have to stop this cancel culture and mm-hmm. this and that. But the truth is, like, There's a reason why I don't want to listen to R. Kelly's music anymore. Mm. 
there's a reason why I have trouble watching the Cosby show. Mm -hmm. Like there's a reason for these things. And I shouldn't feel badly about having a reason. I would feel that way if the person was black, white, Asian, doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. So it was difficult. And Blair Underwood's so amazing because he as a character, but also just Blair is such a likable guy. Mm -hmm. So it was also like it made it even more tough. But what was cool about Joelle's role in it all was that she was always a little... You knew. She was a little wary. She was like... Just like black women do. And you know, that kind of speaks to, I do believe that black women have a heightened sense of intuition. I know that's right. It's in our bodies to always look for things that maybe our men can't see. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that it was that intentional, but I do think she got a little... Something's not right. And so (laughs) I think it was cool that you allowed to see the tension within the relationship that was caused by this woman's boyfriend really standing for somebody leaving her behind in the midst of all that and not considering her thoughts, her feelings, and her opinions about the matter. And the courage Um, it took for that character to do that. The scene where Reggie basically admits, like, you were right. Mm -hmm. That was really powerful because as people, we still have to keep our arms out for the people that you know, if you come to the realization a little late, that doesn't mean you turn away from that person. You still have to embrace them because he didn't know. Yeah, He was hoping for something and he had a vision in his mind. He was creating a reality that wasn't real. Yeah, And I just think it was really beautiful that Joelle just still took him in and was like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, the love that you showed was a way to show what black women often have to do. You have yes. to be courageous to stand up for justice. And then when people come around, you have to be loving and compassionate enough to embrace them and the truth. So Justin, this is a show that believes survivors. Definitely. Why did you feel so called to tell that story? You know, I just like getting myself into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And was there any back? Like, did you get any? I I always, there's always some, since the movie, there's always some backlash. I mean, I think that like the kind of art I make brings up trauma in people. And I'm an oppressed person. I make work for oppressed people. You know, I think that that's a good thing for art and it's okay. There was a lot that I wanted to unpack. And again, I wanted to say something about the issue that was sweeping the nation that hadn't been said and was really specific to our experience of it. Yeah. Because the truth is, is that like we have an attachment and a need for heroes that is different. You know, it's like Reggie needed Moses Mm -hmm. because of the things that he had been through. The world he grew up in has made him feel so small. Mm -hmm. He needs somebody to reflect back his potential to him. That's a need that Reggie has that's different than when like a white person is like a fan of somebody in in the public space. The other thing that's also true is that unfortunately in our community, like in every community, there are predators who are hiding and are protected by that fact that we have an association and attachment to our heroes that's a little bit different, it's a little bit more intense Mm -hmm. than other communities. The other thing that is very true is that yes, there is a, a history of white women specifically making accusations against black men that aren't true. But that's a truth that sits beside the other truth, that there are people that hide behind and use racism to protect themselves from wrongdoing. And the mind, I won't cuss, but the- the, You can't just get keep it PG-13 because my mom listens. The mind screw of- (laughs) (laughs) Of being black and meeting your heroes and having heroes is that 
you know, we want to hold on to the narrative that we want to be true a little bit harder. Like we're not as able to accept the truth. And I say we because it's me too. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like we all know the list of black people that have had some issues come up recently, but they're a little bit harder for us to let go because they mean a lot more to us. Yeah. And I wanted to just do a realistic, no judgment portrayal of what that feels and looks like because I just felt like I was going through that that particular year and i felt like a lot of people were going through that and there's a disillusionment that happens when a hero sort of lets you down and you start to feel like well maybe i'm not special you know maybe i don't have potential because Mm. the version of me that i thought i could be ended up being a mess how do i stand on my own two feet now and i wanted to unpack all of that you know what i'm saying and also show that sometimes doing and saying the right thing is a real personal sacrifice for us that's just different than in other communities. And what we wanted to play with is the idea that you wanted Blair to be right yeah. and you wanted Muffy to be wrong. And it just felt so obvious from the start that that's what was going on. And you did something that was amazing <laughs> when you flipped it. Yeah. And even like when I watched it for the third time as I was just prepping for this, I kind of was like, dang it. Yeah. Like as soon as you flipped it and made it through the white lens, I was like, of course it happened. When did we make that? 2018? Yeah. We were just giving up heroes left and right. And I could feel us not wanting to let go of them and defending them and defending all kinds of things that like actually aren't worth defending and are indefensible. Um, But I understood the reaction too. So I just wanted to speak to it without judgment from all the angles, you know? Well, thank you so much. This has been so fun for me. We have Ashley Blaine Featherston and Justin Simeon, the beautiful black creators of Dear White People and stars of this show. If you haven't seen it, you must check it out. If you call yourself a fan of Pod for the Cause, you better be a fan for Dear White People. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you for having us. Thanks again to the incredible Ashley Blaine Featherson and Justin Simeon for joining Pod for the Cause. Coming up, I'll have my hot takes where I get a few things off of my chest in three minutes or less. Welcome back to Pod for the Cause. In between talking to the Pod Squad and Justin and Ashley, I have a few things I want to say. I say this almost every show. 2020, one of the most important elections of our lifetime. And I need young people to understand that you have more power this year than you might ever have when it comes to our democracy. We need you to register to vote. And then in November, we need you to go to the polls or vote by mail or vote however you can to make sure that the issues you care about, climate change, healthcare, criminal justice reform, immigration, whatever issue speaks to you, that you go vote in November and you vote with your values. You have all the power of this election and what you decide to do will determine who's going to run this country from the president all the way down to the dog catcher. So if you want to find out how to register to vote and how to get involved in making sure that everyone who is eligible to vote can vote, go to andstillivote.org, sign up, we'll get you connected because the power is with you.
Thanks for listening to Pod for the Cause, the official podcast of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and the Leadership Conference Education Fund. For more information, visit us at civilrights.org. And to connect with me, hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Pod for the Cause. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast app and leave a five-star review. Until then, for Pod for the Cause, I'm Ashley Allison. And remember, a cause is nothing without the people.